Wow. Look at all these people here today. We are, uh, we're going to have to build a bigger outside, I think. <laughs> I think there actually is. Yeah, there's room in the budget for a bigger outside. Uh, I also want to thank uh, J.B. Ellis provided us with this stage. So we thank you, J.B. Nice work. Uh, so the Ellis is all over it today. Uh, and so we, we're thankful for being able, be able to uh, worship in this way uh, together and celebrate our Lord. Uh, for those uh, who weren't with us last week, we've begun a series in uh, 1 Timothy, uh, in large part because we are learning what it is uh, all again to be the family of God. And as the family of God, we want to follow in what the uh, commandments are for the people of God, um, how we're supposed to be. And so last week, oh, I'll pass you by here, uh, <clears throat> we talked about a, a kind of family crest that we have uh, we have a family crest in our household uh, that has different designations for the things that we are to be uh, and the things that we are. And so we are learning those same kinds of things here in the book of 1 Timothy, where Paul is speaking to this young brother. Uh, I, actually, he calls him a child of his, uh, a spiritual son in the faith. And he's telling him, now, while you're in Ephesus, while it's taken me a while to get there, I want you to set up the household with this some kind of crest items here. I want the household to know what it should be and what it should not be. And as we talked last week, we began to put some icons on that, that, that family crest that Paul was picking out for Timothy. And he was saying, Timothy, you're, you're, the people, the church, the family of God should have these distinctions. And one of those distinction was, distinctions was that they were to be a people of the truth. And the second distinction we saw was to be a people of love. And so we are beginning to kind of fill out this the, uh, this, this crest of God, this crest of the family of God. And so as we talked about that last week, there was so much to cover just in the, just in the introduction that we really didn't get to speak too much in the next uh, uh, 11 verses. And so I'm just going to do a, a quick kind of preparation for what we'll be discussing today, uh, which, is be, which will be verses 12 through 20. So if you have your Bibles uh, or you have your phones today, uh, turn to 1 Timothy chapter 1. And at the end of our, our verses yesterday, uh, last week, we saw that we were called to these, these things, these, these truths. And we were also called to relationships of love, that those truths should come from a pure heart. And so today... Uh, we're not going to add more to the family crest, but today we're going to look a little bit more at what those things mean. What does it mean to be a people of the truth? Paul says uh, in verse 3, he says, As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus. Ephesus is the city that is, uh, it's kind of like a New York uh, or a Los Angeles it is a, a big city. It's very cosmopolitan. It has people from all over the world, and it has all kinds of beliefs and customs. And it is often a very wicked place. It is a place that is uh, full of different kinds of gods and competing gods. 
Ephesus. So while you are in Ephesus, as you wait for me to come, I want you, Timothy, to charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine. There are those in the church who are teaching a different doctrine. Nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculation rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. The aim of our charge is love. A love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered in, away into vain discussion, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. He's saying to Timothy, there's some problems in the church, and it's because of a, a lack of understanding of what the truth is. Are you tired of the fake news? <laughs> oh, my goodness. I mean, you can't even, when you, when you look at the news, you, you're saying no matter what, what station you're listening to, you have to go, is that really, do you know what I mean? I'm not, even if it's a, even if it's a station that you like, don't you have to kind of go, uh, let me, <laughs> let me consider you know, we didn't even, I don't think we had that term, did we, four year, before four years ago? Like that was a new term that we've created. Fake news. <laughs> so that we, have, we have fake news, and we don't know who exactly we ought to believe. We know some people we are not going to believe, right? But even the people that we listen to, we wonder, is, there, is, this, is this real? Or is there an agenda, amen, is there an agenda, a philosophy or an ideal that is getting me to think, that wants me to think a certain way, that's only reporting a part of the news or reporting it in a misleading way, fake news. And so I've heard so many people say, I'm off of it. You know? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm quitting cold turkey because I don't know what to believe anymore. Well, Paul is saying to Timothy, Timothy, it, all around the church and in the church, there's a fake gospel. And you need to know who you're listening to. And you need to know what's going to happen if people follow in that fake gospel. There are people who are talking about things they don't know anything about. And I'm charging you, Timothy, to have a family of God this focused on the true gospel. Because as soon as we get away from the true gospel, well, we're going to run into all kinds of problems. And so he begins to address a few of those just very briefly, just kind of giving names to them, talking about things that maybe Timothy, or that Timothy knows about, but maybe you and I, uh, it's kind of lost on us exactly what the conversations were about. We have some idea. One of, the, uh, one of the ideas that were, were, or philosophies that were, was flowing throughout uh, the area in, the, in that Greco-Roman Roman world was a kind of precursor to something that's called Gnosticism. Uh, Gnosticism is, the, the, uh, is a whole religion 
Um, but that religion has also some kind of philosophies behind it that crept into the church. And the, the Gnostics understood that we were created by two different kinds of gods. There were two different kinds of gods. And that there was uh, a, a, an earthly kind of God, a, a lesser God. And then there was this other great God. And this other great God was really uh, meant for the, the spiritual. And so the, when the, the people in that time, they would, they would make that dualistic thought. This, there are two different things. There is the spirit and there is the flesh. There is knowledge and there is flesh. And that salvation comes through knowledge. It doesn't come through like the material world. So the material world of, in and of itself was evil. And so the goal was to be more spiritual, to connect with gnosis, with knowledge. And if you had this knowledge, you would have understanding, the knowledge of the world. Now, we wouldn't, we don't have anybody who's like, has a 501c3 for Gnosticists, you know, like there's not like the church of the Gnostics that, that we can, you know, we're, we're fighting against. But there is that same kind of idea. Uh, last year, uh, we, ha- we had some discussion about that, about dualism, seeing that the, the mind and the body were two separate things and that there is a common belief in this world today that those two things are separate and that they uh, don't relate to each other. And that the, it is more important what you think about something, i.e. what your identity is, what, how you identify things, identify yourself, than it is in which, what things are, that actually are in the physical. And so there's a, a, a disconnect between those things. You may have even heard people uh, also say things like, I have, I have Jesus in my heart, and that's good enough. And, and you say, well... I mean, you're, you're on to something, right? I mean, yes, you have to have Jesus in your heart, but that's not it. Like, if you have Jesus in your heart, then it manif- that manifests in your life. And so you can't separate those things. There can't be this kind of dualism. Thinking that, like, the flesh is evil and only those things that are spiritual or, or, the, or knowledge is true salvation. Today, we look around and we see all kinds of other Gospels. And just as Paul is saying these are are not true Gospels, uh, we're not saying that they are the good news. But there are things that have wormed into church. This idea that, that God has come to fulfill you, to give you your best life, to make you healthy and wealthy. Or there's a belief that the only thing you can really know is those things that you experience yourself. And so there is a, a demotion of the word of God, the truth, over the experiences that I have had. I, saw that, I see that in Kenya. I see it in other places. As I talk to some pastors and they say, you know, uh, before I came here, I would, before I preach, I would just pray. I'm like, that's good. You need to pray. But what are you preaching? Are you preaching just what your spirit says? Well, you're missing something here because the family of God lives, works in, speaks, considers the truth, the gospel, the true gospel. And then we have uh, a church, uh, a movement in the church that is inclusive, that says that everyone should belong no uh, no matter who they are, even 
even if they have different beliefs and they have different ways of life, the important thing is to have unity. And just the opposite. There's a, a belief that says we should be in our own tribe. We feel that so much today, right? That we should be, everyone should look and feel and be like me and, and vote for the same person. Otherwise, they're not really part of the gospel. They're not part of the family of God. And just as it is true in the time of Paul and Timothy, it is true today. There, is, there are all kinds of competitions for the true gospel, the fake gospel. In the time of, uh, of Timothy and of Paul as well, there are those who were not like, they were just the opposite of the Gnostics. The, the Gnostics were saying, you can do anything in the flesh because it's evil. So their lives were uh, very immoral. But then there was another group that said, no, the gospel is all about following the rules found in the Ten Commandments, found in the Old Testament. And so we should follow those things. We see that in many churches today, too. The gospel is all about, will you do what's right? And if you don't do what's right, then you don't belong. You can fall from this grace of God because you are not someone who follows the law. You see, all of this stuff is woven into the church today. I don't know about you, but as I hear those things, I go, well, gosh, what is the truth then? <laughs> right? You're like, Ugh. how easy is it for me, for you to be misled? Because some of those, you listen to them, there's, there's a kernel of truth to them, right? Well, who are we going to trust then? Who's going to be our news source? Or what the gospel is. How do we keep from being tossed back and forth by all kinds of confusion and the different beliefs of those things that are around us? Some that sound actually very intriguing and many desirous for us. The fake gospel. Let's learn the truth gospel today. Today's message uh, is centering in the 12 through 20. And as I'm going to, I'm going to read this section for us, and as I do, I want you to listen for these couple of uh, answers to these couple of questions. The, the first question is, do Paul and Timothy have the true gospel, and are they qualified to teach it? So we're going to look at that 12 through 20. Do Paul and Timothy have the true gospel, and are they qualified to teach it? The second question is, should you listen to them for the truth? Here we go. <laughs> yes. Good answer. I have to read the verses first. Okay. I thank him who has given me strength. This is Paul speaking. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Please do not miss this sentence. 
that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. I love how he ends this. To the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be glory and glory, uh, be, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. I like how he just ends that like, I got a shout out to my Lord. Verse 18, this charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith, and whom, among whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan, that they may not learn, but they may learn not to blaspheme. Paul is saying, I want to hold up the gospel message. And so he, he boils the gospel message into one sentence. Did you hear it? That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I, who, of whom I am the foremost. This is it. That Christ Jesus, the word Christ is the Greek word for Messiah, the one who is expected to come, the one who would bring salvation. He is found in a man whose name is Jesus. He came into the world, physically came into the world. God, man, came into the world for the purpose of to save sinners. And then he tags on. Not only is it that, that truth out there, not only is it the guiding principle, but it affects, Paul is saying, it affects me because I am the foremost of those sinners. And so he's saying this is how you should receive this truth. We should receive this truth knowing that God has done something extraordinary and all of the gospel is around this truth that Christ Jesus came into the world for the purpose of saving sinners. And he has done it. He has died on the cross and he has resurrected from the dead. This is the good news. And so in our church, if you're not hearing that every week and all the time, then we're pointing you in the wrong direction because this is the glory hallelujah moment. This is where we say, this is what we needed. This is what we got. But if you don't have the tag at the end, if you don't recognize that, that you are a sinner and that you need that, then it's, it's a fortune cookie. It means nothing. Who cares? That's nice. That's a nice demonstration of love and kindness. No, no, no. No, no. Paul is saying, look, I am the worst of them kind of people. And if, if you don't recognize that, we, that you and me are the worst kind of people, then it means nothing to you. This is the good news. You know, Paul, Paul gives this, his CV, right? His, his resume. Uh, by the way, I don't want you guys to forget that I am the one who, I mean, do you realize this? Paul was the first one to have a Christian killed because of his belief. Like that's, 
That's his claim to fame. I was there. And to show you how zealous, I had that guy killed. And it's not just that he carries it on a piece of paper. Everyone knows that. In fact, they, they're, they're afraid to uh, uh, admit him into the church because this guy, th- there isn't anyone worse than this guy. Persecutor, insolent opponent. And so some in the church of uh, Ephesus have to wonder, well, maybe, <laughs> maybe he isn't the holder of the truth. Look how bad he's been. But I want you to see, Paul isn't just saying how bad I was. He's saying who I am. Not not was, I am the foremost. He is still conscious and aware of his sin. He, it, this isn't a, a fake gospel. A fake, some fake gospel says, well, once you get saved, you're done. That, that your life, uh, you... As long as you have Jesus, like we said earlier, in your heart, you're fine. Yes, you have to have Jesus in your heart, but your faith is then demonstrated. I still am in need of this Savior. But he celebrates in 17, but I have him, and he has me. He's never-ending, forever kind of love. And so my life is full of giving honor and glory to him. And it's not just for today, but it's forever and ever and ever. Amen. This is the gospel. And this is how we, we filter everything that happens in our life. We're basing it on this. Like This is the most important thing that's happened in history. It's happened to me, and it needs to happen to you too. And so if you hear something different in this church, you better stand up and say something. (laughs) Because that's who we are called to be. That's that's the household of God right there. And so Paul says, uh, I am qualified to teach this because I was appointed to do so. God has said, you're the one I'm going to do, do this through. It wasn't because he was a good guy, but God was gracious to him. And so he is now allowed to be the banner carrier. I was going to uh, talk about this in a few weeks, but I'm just going to have to talk about it right now. Uh, to, uh, in 12, he says, appointing me to his service. That word service is diaconis. I just love this. Conus, you, know, you heard the word diaconus, you hear another word, right? You hear deacon, right? You're like, Paul, a deacon, but hold on. So the, the word conus means dust. And the word dia means through. It's through the dust. And the idea, this is like an idiom, it's an expression. It's kind of like this idea that, uh, well, you see it on cartoons. Like when somebody goes, whoosh, like this, and they run like that, you know, all of a sudden, and there's a poof. Cloud, you know, like Roadrunner, you know, that's the idea. Like there's there's so much great action going forward that all you can see, you have to see through the dust. You know, it's like at a construction site, you know, when they're, they're laying the foundation and there's just a cloud of smoke and you can barely you and a cloud of du- dust and you can barely see the equipment inside. It's that kind of I'm seeing it through the dust. There's something 
There's a lot happening there. You see, Paul was called out as an apostle to do a great work. And he was found to be faithful in that, that he was a great servant of God so that you could see the cloud of Paul's working, even though you may not see Paul exactly. And that's who we're called out to be, to be a people who are faithful in service to our God. And then we see in, in verse 18 that now Paul is saying, just as Paul has been called out for this service, you, Timothy, also have been called out. Remember, there are prophecies that were, were, were spoken of you, spoken of you. And this uh, understanding is that the understanding is that these prophecies have come true. That's why you can say, remember the prophecies? See how it's happening? And now I, what I want you to do, Timothy, and I believe this is the call to us as a church, is that we must wage the good warfare, holding both faith and a good conscience. So now we recognize that there is a, an opponent in all this. There are those that we can see, those who have a different gospel, a fake gospel. There are those who are who are not living out their faith. But there is a demonic force against us as well. It is a spiritual kind of warfare. And we should walk into battle with the truth. We should walk into battle with this good news. So wage the good warfare. It's going to be a fight. Church, this is not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. There's going to be fighting against, against this truth, even in your own heart, from the outside and the inside. So he says, now I want you to wage a good warfare, and I want you to hold faith and a good conscience, which means you need to hold the truth and belief in the truth, but you also need to do it with a good conscience, meaning that you are being faithful to that calling, being faithful to a life of holiness. And he warns him. There are those who have not done this, and they have made a shipwreck of their faith. Ooh, isn't that a term? Battered against the rocks, they don't float anymore. And he gives two names. He starts naming names. Maybe we should start doing that at church, too. Wouldn't that be great? You know. And so he names names, these two fellows here. And we see this is not the first time we've seen their names in scriptures. In fact, we see their names in the book of Acts in the place of Ephesus, where they have uh, one of them has stood up. And protected Paul and tried to explain to the people this, what the church is all about and what the truth is. And he almost loses his life. Like so at one point he was heading in the right direction. But then he started listening to other things. A fake gospel. And now he had made a shipwreck where he was floating so nicely. Now he's run up against the rocks and he's good for nothing. In fact, he should be dismissed from the church. He'd be excommunicated from the church. That's what this idea of handing him over to Satan is. It's letting, sending him out, excommunicating from the church. He won't turn from his ways. He won't turn from the way he's teaching. And the hope is that while he is away, he will see 
how horrible it is to be away from the kingdom of God, to be away from our Lord. And he will learn not to blaspheme, not to do violent things against the truth. I want all of us to be careful to see that although they started well, they did not end well. And we need to be careful that we need to continue to hold these truths very close to us because we are susceptible to the fake gospels. You are susceptible. So be on guard. Know the truth. Live the truth. For this is the mark of the family of God. Amen. Lord, we, uh, we come to you today and uh, we recognize that we are weak vessels. But Lord, when we have you, we ask that you would help us to be um, those who can ferret out the truth, who know what is counterfeit because we look at your word and we listen. But we also be people of, of good conscience, Lord, that we're living those things out. Lord, that righteousness and holiness are part of what it means to be of the family of God. Lord, I ask for your conviction now, even on all of us in the hearing of these words, that we would listen to your convicting spirit and repent of our sins. Lord, we too echo what Paul is saying as we bring praise and glory to you, to the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen.